Hey everyone, and welcome to Unison Christian Church, the podcast. We exist to change our community with the life-changing truth of Jesus, elevate a culture of love and holistic growth, and serve as a family built on hope. Our desire is that today's message helps you discover fresh new ways of connecting with God. Now, here is today's message. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Pastor Christina, for that. Um, that, look, that wasn't just for kids. Like, I don't even know that I've ever had anyone, especially when I was young, explain to me what the Lord's Prayer was and what it meant. And so what a joy to have that broken down that way um, for our family as a whole. Uh, so I praise God for that. Um, children's ministry and family ministries um, moving forward is a conversation that um, Plenty of people need to be a part of. <laughs> so if you are interested in being, yo, what's up, Christy? I'm sorry. I think I'm going to do that a lot today where I'm going to interrupt myself because I can see you <laughs> and I've missed you. So let me. Oh, Rachel. OK, sorry. Back, Chase. Come back. Anyway. <laughs> If you are interested in being a part of the conversation about family ministries and, um, and honestly praying through that, right? It's not just a debate about what we think it should be, but truly seeking the Lord about how to move forward and brainstorming in the Holy Ghost <laughs> um, about what to do moving forward. Um, there will be a Zoom meeting today at 4 p.m. And I'm telling you that now, so if you need to kind of move some things around to make that happen, 4 o'clock p.m., um, Eastern Daylight Time <laughs> today. Uh, and um, if you want information or you want to get that link, just shoot Pastor Christina an email at Christina at unisongr.com. Um, or you, I'm sure you can even just post in the, um, in the comments. Um, we'll figure out a way to make sure that you get that link. What's up, Tozers? Good to see your faces on Zoom this morning. Um, what's that? Oh, and Pastor Christina just said that the link is posted, so we're good. Uh, I promise you that I will not stand up here all day and tell you all of the good that came out of that sabbatical. I'm making that commitment to you because I love you, <laughs> and there's way too much. We will, like, this will be the longest Zoom sermon ever. Facebook will shut it down. But <laughs> I will tell you a couple of great things, um, and, um, and some of that will be in the sermon, but I want to first say thank you um, I don't have any way of articulating how much I needed that. Um, I just don't have any words. English or any human language doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't compare to what I've got going on inside of me. There are no words for it. Um, I've tried to articulate it and I've fumbled around words, um, and uh, the closest I've got, though, um, is I anticipate or I had this silent expectation that I would go into the sabbatical and then come out a whole new person. Like, you know, you go in as a caterpillar and you come out a butterfly or, you know, in my case, a tadpole and come out a frog. Um, <laughs> and I... Um, that was not what happened. Um, I 
feel like for the first time in a long time, I'm myself again. Uh, and, um, and that's a surprise, honestly. It's a surprise. And I'm, I've been so grateful over the last few days to be able to be back in touch with myself. Um, and, and what does that look like practically going into it? Um, I shared with a couple of people that my prayer time was incredibly distracted. Um, and, and by distracted, I mean, I, I pray every morning. I would get up, I would read, you know, a chapter of the Bible, which is normal for me, and then start praying. And just about after, thank you, God, um, thoughts would just flood my mind of things that I haven't been able to process throughout the day because there's so much to process. And so having the time away from processing so much allowed me to actually be able to talk to God again and it not be about anything other than my own relationship with the Father. Um, and that is incredibly important. Um, I, I halfway through um, came to the space where I said, you know what, it's not good for pastors to not be able to pray for real, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I mean, and so yes, pray for the church, pray for you all, pray for the world, pray for everything else, and yes, God's hearing it, but to not actually have times of just silent intimacy with God, man, I missed that. Um, and it was a return back to that for me in a lot of ways, and um, there were so many great things. And over the next few weeks, I'm sure I'll be able to share more with you um, about what God has done in me and um, what I've actually heard God talking about what we're doing in terms of a church family. Uh, but today, uh, I'm going to uh, tell you about one moment um, that has shaped this whole sermon. Um, one of my prayers going into uh, this Actually, I had, th I had three prayers going into the sabbatical. Um, the first prayer was for real rest, um, and that real rest not just being taking a nap, <laughs> um, but that the, all of the things that my soul was working on, I would be able to just have a moment to breathe. That's honestly what the, that's the purpose of a pastoral sabbatical. Uh, it's to rest. Um, I was reading a, a number of different books during that time, but one of them was Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. And, um, and, and Ruth Haley Barton, uh, who was the author, she uh, really, this whole book is written based upon the story of Moses' time away in solitude and with the Lord. And, um, and so, she, so she doesn't know me, but she picked my favorite biblical character and started preaching to me about me needing to take a break and go spend time with the Lord. And, um, and so that rest I needed. The second thing was um, really working through things that had to do with my family of origin, um, my family, and, and working through the last few years and changes in my family and how that's impacted me and how that's impacted my relationships now and all those things. And God is so faithful in that. Um, and then the, the last one was, God, what are you doing with me? Um, not what are you doing with Unison. I actually trust that you are going to tell me what you're doing with Unison regardless of whether I ask. <laughs> But I feel like, what are you doing with me in, in, in ministry? Um, I'm going to be here, but God, there's, I'm graduating, and then what next? And what's the big thing that you've got behind that curve? And, 
Um, and so God faithfully answered all of those and more. And, um, but that middle one, that family of origin, is where we'll actually be today. And um, so I'm going uh, I'm going to pray. Um, and then we'll dive in. Oh, I'll let you know where we'll be. The name of the sermon is called The Power of Love, right? And I said that this morning to Candace, and she started singing the song that immediately popped in my mind. The power of love, like an 80s song. If you don't know it, just look up Back to the Future soundtrack. It's on there. <laughs> uh, but we'll be in John chapter 15, verses 9 through 17, and um, uh, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Father, thank you for your um, unfailing, unwavering love for us. God, I've prayed that before, and it, is, it rings true today, um, and it will be true tomorrow. You love us unwaveringly, and thank you. God, we thank you for your presence, God, in our gathered worship already. And Lord, we pray that as we dive into your word, Lord, that we find you God, and that you continue to reveal yourself through your scripture, reveal yourself and reveal us through our time of seeking you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so as I was processing a lot um, in terms of that family of origin thing, many of you know I actually lost a couple of family members right at the beginning of the sabbatical. Um, I, uh, on February 4th, um, a, a beloved aunt of mine passed away um, at, as a result of COVID. Um, and then four days later, uh, my great uncle passed away. Um, and that was a, there was a moment that I had with the Lord. I'm like, listen, God, okay, here's the thing. <laughs> this whole sabbatical thing and then my family passing away four days later, we got to talk about what that is. <laughs> um, and and uh, it was hard. Let's just be real. It was hard. Um, but in that, there were some family members that reached out to me. Um, that was the, the passings were on my mother's side of the family and on my father's side. Some family members reached out and uh, we began having some conversations. And in that space of vulnerability, um, honestly got to some roots of some things um, that I simply just hadn't. I would not have had the capacity or would not have had the imagination to process had I not been grieving. Um, and, uh, and so the next morning I just woke up thanking God that I had the ability to process that at that time, the moment to process it. Um, and, uh, and could even see God. Sometimes we have to look back in hindsight and see God moving after a hard moment. God allowed me to see him moving in that hard moment, even while I was going through it. And, um, but that next morning in prayer, he said to me um, that I have uh, a misunderstanding or a miseducation about what love is. And so I, I made this picture for you guys to see it, um, this miseducation about what love is. I have believed that positive attention will lead to approval and that approval will manifest itself into acceptance, and that will mature into love. I have lived that way my whole life, and it's not because someone taught me that, but for whatever reason, the little me discovered that this is how love is actually formed. 
positive attention leads to approval, which will lead to acceptance, which will lead to love. And God said, like, that's not actually how that works. (laughs) That's not how that works. Love isn't something that is built that way. So he actually did something else, too, for me. Comb through. Like, that's actually how you get fans. And as, so let's just be real. Y'all know me, right? I'm a singer. I'm a performer. I've been in musicals. I've acted. I love it. That is how you get fans, though. Like, being able to understand how a crowd is pleased, that's how you get fans. So when you have positive attention from the crowd, it will lead to approval from the crowd. The crowd will accept you, and they'll become your fans. But that's not love, Chase. Woo! That's not love. Love is this incredibly big concept that has no recipe. And if you continue, Chase, to try to stir together these ingredients, you will always feel lacking in love because you're putting something together that was never actually meant to make love. So I said, okay, well then what am I supposed to do? Because I (laughs) said, you have to know that you're loved. And knowing that you're loved by me will allow you to see that love in other people. And knowing that you're loved by them is actually what allows you to feel accepted and to feel their approval of you, not because they approve of everything you do, but their approval of you as a person. And whether or not they give you positive attention will no longer have any bearing on whether or not you feel loved. Man, let me tell you that I messed up my whole morning in such a good way. (laughs) I needed that. I needed that Holy Spirit counseling session. Can you put that picture up again on the screen? This one that I have on the screen says, no, I am love. And that's not a typo. I know I normally have typos. (laughs) But no, I am love, talking about God. And as I know the I am's love, those little emojis on there are the ones that honestly have made me anxious about love for a long time because I only want the smiling one. But love comes with this full range of beautiful emotions. And I needed to hear that from God. And so I said, well, God, if I don't know what love is, really, and I, and I need, then I need, how, I, how do I evidence where I've experienced love? If I've been operating with this miseducation about how love is actually formed, and it's not formed the way that I thought it was, well, then how is it actually formed, and what does it look like? And I was driving at this point because we were talking all day about this. And he reminded me of the scripture in John chapter 15, verse 13. It says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And I was like, oh, so that means love is selfless. (laughs) Like the evidence of love is selflessness. 
So then I started thinking about when I've experienced love, and the Holy Spirit gave me, reminded me about when there was a teacher. I had a teacher in, in, uh, in eighth grade. Her name is Sonia Schultz Fryer, and she was my band instructor at Iroquois Middle School. Uh, she had a piano, and she lived out in some rural part of, you know, greater Grand Rapids. She had a piano, and she asked me if I wanted it, and I said, yes. <laughs> like, who doesn't, like, you know, what 14-year-old doesn't want a piano, right? <laughs> um, and so I, so she said, you can have it. And so my, um, and I told my parents, and they rented a U-Haul and got a friend to help, drove way all the way out there, picked up this upright piano, brought it into our small house. We lived in a one-bedroom home at that time, and there were five of us. And my parents, so my brother and I shared the bedroom. My parents uh, were upstairs, kind of in a semi-finished attic scenario, and my sister was in this nook outside of their room. And we had a living room that could not have been bigger <laughs> than like a standard office. Like it was a small living room. And they brought this big old piano into the living room and let me work out the musical spaghetti that was inside me um, and never made me feel like I was a burden to be making noise, really, because at the like when you're first starting out, it's all noise. It's not discernible music. It's just noise and notes that don't make sense. And I just was overwhelmed by that's what love looks like. It, and so then I honestly started taking inventory of, okay, well, if I've been also operating with this miseducation about love, well, then where have I been selfless? Because <laughs> I actually want to make sure that I'm doing it right, too. And God continued to just throughout the day show me over and over again stories of when people have loved me based upon this biblical understanding of love, and I've loved others, and really firmly put that definition inside of me. And it has really, over the last probably four weeks, reshaped my way of seeing humanity, honestly. It just has that little concept. And, um, and so, as I was praying about what to, to preach about, um, you'll, I'm, uh, hopefully you'll be happy to know that I was very disciplined. The sabbatical ended on March 12th, and I was like, I cannot process anything about, like, the functions of church until March 13th, which was yesterday. <laughs> and so, um, but I was like, God, there's a whole sermon that I got to preach the next day. So I'm going to like, I'm going to just trust you. I'm not going to process. I woke up thinking about this story, woke up thinking about this. Um, and um, that's really why we're talking about it this morning. Um, and so in John 15, um, there is, uh, many of us are familiar with the, the first eight verses of John 15. This, is, this portion is not unfamiliar to many people either, but that first eight verses of John 15, Jesus is talking about him being the vine and us being the branches. Uh, and if we abide in him, we'll bear much fruit. Great portion of scripture. I've preached about it a couple of times. You can read it. I would encourage you to because it leads into what we're talking about. But after that, he's continuing to teach the disciples. 
And he says this after talking about bearing much fruit by abiding in him. He says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey the Father's commandments and remain in his love. I'm pausing there for a second because many times we read that and we start thinking about what we were just talking about in Exodus. Right? Like we see commandments and we begin thinking, oh, yeah, uh, I have no other gods before me. Love you. You know, love your mother and your father and, and don't steal stuff. And Right. That, those are the commandments. And I actually want you to put those to the side for a second because that's not actually what Jesus is talking about. He's leading up to something. He says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. That's why I told you to put that to the side. He was building up. This is my commandment. Love each other the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. In my Bible, um, I've told some of you before, I have this electronic Bible that I've had. Um, I've had this electronic, this version of the electronic Bible now for close to 15 years. And so I'm able to highlight things, and the highlights go with me wherever I go. It doesn't matter which device I have because I can log into it. It syncs. I've got highlights from when I was in, like, my early 20s and notes. And every time there's a portion of Scripture that I don't understand, I'll write a little note, and I'll pray and ask God to help me understand it. And then when God helps me understand it, I will like make a note. Oh, I understand this one now, God. <laughs> so that's how my notes work in there. Well, every other verse was highlighted except that one. That last verse there, 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. All of these other verses were highlighted except that one. And I had to pause there for a minute. I'm like, why, why did I not highlight that one, God? And it was because I was actually afraid of that word command. And let me tell you why I was afraid of the word command. It's because it meant that God's love was conditional to me. That's how I interpreted that. I interpreted God's love as it's conditional. If you do what I tell you to do, then that means we're friends. And I had to pause there for a second. And in light of what God was already sh- had already shown me, I needed to re-educate myself about that one little verse in this sea of verses. That's not what God is saying. God's not saying his friendship is conditional based upon us us achieving or, or us not achieving the Ten Commandments. That's actually not what it is. He's just making it clear. The way in which you make it known to the world and to everyone else, and even evidence to yourself that we are friends is based upon how you love the people around you. He says, do, like, this is my command, love the way I have loved, selflessly. No conditions based upon it. 
There isn't anything that you can do that's going to take away this love that I have. There isn't anything that you can say that's going to make it diminish. And there isn't anything that you're going to say that's going to make it grow. That's a hard thing for people like me. I want to be able to do something to make God's love for me grow. And the truth is, nothing changes the stagnant, unwavering, faithful love of God. It doesn't grow because it can't get any bigger. (laughs) It doesn't diminish because it can't get any smaller. It's there. That doesn't mean that our relationship with God doesn't, we can't grow in a closeness. No, that's not the same thing. That doesn't mean our friendship can't blossom and, and I become more and more in, in, enveloped in intimacy with God. No, that's, the, that's, that's something totally different. But God's love is as steady as time. It doesn't move any faster because you want it to. And it doesn't slow down because you want it to either. And it doesn't matter how much you ignore it, it continues to move. And it doesn't matter how enthralled you are in your activity, time doesn't stop. And it doesn't matter how much pain you're in and you want time to go faster. The steadiness of God's love is like the steadiness of time. And he's made that so so that we can see that correlation. There's nothing we can do to change that. And if you are operating with, the, uh, with this idea of love that it's an equation, that can become a very disheartening truth for you. But when you live in the truth that God is love, and as we know this love, then everything that I need is enveloped in that. And all of my insecurities are covered by it. And that is the kind of love that I get to share with the world. Well, then, knowing that it can't change isn't a hard truth. It's actually a peaceful one. It's a good truth to know. Because then that means that I also, too, have the capacity for loving unconditionally. He continues, he says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. (laughs) I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. I've preached about love quite a bit. I've found like, and there's a part of me that has had some tension about that. (laughs) Let's just be real. Because like, there's a part of me that wants to be a preacher that talks about things that are profound and things that are like, whoa, that just blew my whole world. And I keep getting brought back to this preaching about love. And God keeps reminding me over and over again about this unfailing, unwavering love that he has. And even though it's a song and even though it's all through the Psalms, like God keeps bringing me back to it. And I just, I think this last month, I came to a place where like, that's just what it's supposed to be. <laughs> it's not just me. It's not just me. Love is a way of being. 
right? Like love isn't just this feeling that we have. And I think one of the challenges that we have as humans is that we, we like to make things into caricatures because they're easier for us to then carry around. We can package something into, oh, romance, <laughs> that's love. Oh, like family, it's like how I feel about my family, I love them. Like, or how I feel about this thing, or how I feel about that thing, or even, and, well, and I don't love it when that happens. We, we want to make it smaller because then I can also control it. But love is so incredibly big. It's so big. It's not just a thing. It's a way of being. So another story. Um, and I need you to actually pull up this picture while I tell this story. Um, I was at Camp Blodgett, and um, I... Uh, actually, it's the one that says phosphine, <laughs> which is a nerdy word. I'm going to tell you what it means in a second. Uh, but I was at Camp Blodgett uh, for a couple of days, just spending some time alone with God. And, um, I, and I read through the book of Mark. So one of the habits that I have when I spend an extended period of time alone with God is I'll spend one day and I'll just read a whole book. And so that Saturday, it was the book of Mark. And the next day, it was the book of Isaiah. Uh, Mark, though, I, after reading Mark, um, I spent some time in extended prayer, and, um, and the Lord told me to cover my eyes. And so, because the sun was coming in, and so I was like, okay, well, I closed my eyes, and I wrapped this, like, scarf around my head, covered my eyes, and, um, and then he said, do nothing. And so that was really hard for me because <laughs> I like to do things. But he said, do nothing. And, and as I sat there trying to clear my mind, I noticed these little specks like of light in pitch black. Those little specks of light are called phosphenes, right? The nerd in me had to Google what this was. <laughs> And how phosphines work is it's not actual light coming from the outside. It's that how your eyes work, there's, there are little photons and, diff, like, and, and, and neutrons that are actually firing off light as a part of just how they function. And so it's not like real light coming in, but your body actually makes light. And, and your body does your eyes and your brain don't make an image out of that because that's not important. But there's these little light circles in there, and God told me to focus on that. And so I did. I focused on that. And then all of a sudden, this nothing just fell over me. <laughs> and there's no other way to say it, but it was just nothing fell over me. You can take the picture down now. I just wanted you to just have a, a little bit of an image. And in that nothing, I had this imagination. I imagined that this is what it was like before God made anything. There was nothing to do and nothing to think and nothing to say, nothing to believe. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit said to me, the church is still functioning without you. <laughs> Whew. 
Your family is actually still functioning without you. You don't have to be connected to it because I want them to function. It has nothing to do with you. I want them to function. (laughs) And as I was staring at these little specks of light, it became very obvious to me And there's no theological way to explain this or no book that talks about it. But that the only reason God made everything that he made is because of love. There was no, like, and because there's nothing for him to love on. (laughs) It was just this empty void and these, like, nothing. I have to pause and say, when I say there's no theological book that you can read that's going to talk about that, there's some questions that we have of God, like, why did you make the universe that actually have no answer? <laughs> so it's okay for us to have a Holy Spirit-led imagination about what that is. But in that space, God assuring me that he is the one who has set all things into motion, and he is the one who sustains them. And being able to just embrace that nothing and that was a, an expression even of God's love for me. But everything that, we, everything that we know, everything that exists and ever has been, I've been able to firmly land in this space of confidence that this way of being in terms of love is a part of, as a part of the likeness of God that we're supposed to have. We don't create, but we do set some things in motion. And if they're not motivated by love, they actually don't have the ability to sustain. And so I have these phosphenes that I, you know, I now just call them light and darkness. Um, But now in my prayer, I continually look for them and I'm reminded of the fact that God loves so immensely that he makes universes. (laughs) But there's also another portion of scripture in 1 John 4, 16 through 19 that I want to read as well. You know how much God loves us. We have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who love in love (laughs) live in God. All who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear. I'm pausing because some of us, we have, I say some of us, and I mean that us, me, some of us lived day in and day out with anxieties that are connected to us not fully understanding and not fully allowing ourselves to be enveloped in the love of God. So we can't even really see it when people love us. 
And so we're anxious about punishment. We're anxious about rejection. We're anxious about how it's not going to work. We're anxious about how it's not going to be the way I anticipated. We're anxious. We live in this space of fear, and it's not because there's nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> it's not because, like, right? Like, this is, it's not because that, that everything is fine. No, we live in an incredibly chaotic world. But love does something huge. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. All fear? All fear. (laughs) If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. Listen, family, this isn't a question about whether or not you're saved. That's not it. Actually, I got the news that we celebrated three salvations over the last six weeks, which is so amazing. I'm not questioning the salvation that we have. I'm not even questioning our faith. But I will say this, if you are like me eight weeks ago, there are some roots of anxiousness that exist in you that we are trying to figure out ways to cover up and ultimately it all points back to love, us being enveloped in the perfect love of God. Love is the answer, which I feel like is so elementary. <laughs> I feel like that's so like, Chase, really? Did you just spend the last half hour saying, like, so you can get to that point where you can say love is the answer? If we look at it through the lens of human beings trying to make something small and packageable, it doesn't make sense. But when we look at it through the lens of the only reason God made all of the universe is because he had nowhere to pour out all of his love, it makes all the sense in the world. There was nothing for God to pour out all of his love on. The only reason atoms exist is because of God's love. The only reason electrons and neutrons get to fire off is because of God's love. The only reason that God has sustained creation for however long creation has existed is because of love. And that's why everything gets to point back to it. It was the motivation for creation of the world. It was the motivation, not just for Jesus coming, but that was huge. Also, the motivation for his death. Yeah, we're looking forward to celebrating Easter, and we celebrate the resurrection, and it's so good, and it's so joyful. All power was in his hands, and the Holy Ghost raised up Jesus from the dead, and it was great. And all of that was motivated by a love, a way of being. God is love. He doesn't just love as the verb. He's the noun, love. It is a way of being. 
And we too are designed to be that way. That's why Jesus, that's why John can say that, that when we love like Jesus, our, our, our love is made perfect. When we live like Jesus, it's because of that last verse, 19. We love each other because he first loved us. And I feel like that's so simple, but I think it's so simple because we've made it simple and it's actually really big. Love is the answer to racism. I don't just mean peaceful protests. I don't just mean letters from a Birmingham jail. I don't just mean not being violent. I don't just mean all of the ways that we've tried to fight it through education. Nope. I mean love, unconditional love, selfless love, not based upon if they call me the N-word love. Love is the answer to sin. Love is the answer to pain. Love is the answer to our confusion. And while I want to make love this feeling, I have to remind myself that the biblical definition of love is not a feeling. The biblical definition of love is a way of being. And as I embrace and settle in, like nuzzled into the love of God, the ability to love gets to this space of overflowing in my life. And then the order that God set things in on the universe to sustain them, even while he took a break, also begins to be in place in my life. So if I'm struggling with my children and their grades are not the way they should be and they're acting up in school, love is the answer to that. Fear would make me make them stay up all night studying. Fear would make me punish them for acting out in school. That doesn't mean that we never have to discipline our children. But love is the answer. And trust me when I tell you, love will lead you to exactly where you should be. Because it's a way of being. Love is the answer when my coworkers are not doing what they're supposed to do. Love is the answer when my employees are not acting the way they're supposed to act. Love is the way that things get set in motion. Fear is what causes chaos in our lives. I'm full of, I'm confident now that when I live in fear, chaos is the inevitable result. And when I live in love, order is the inevitable result because it's a way of being that is in alignment with the creator of the universe. So, easy things to reflect on. <laughs> Jesus gave some great commandments. Love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. With everything you've got, love God. 
And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that, that last one, love you, is interesting because it's the assumed love in that part of Scripture. Oftentimes, I've thought about it this way, and I've, I've been aware that we're supposed to, you know, love yourself. But the assumed part of that command is that you already love yourself. And so I put that in there as the third thing to reflect on because I don't know that we can make that assumption. There are fears that exist in us about God's desire for us, God's acceptance of us, about our family and our neighbors, and even our own acceptance of ourselves <laughs> that lead to chaos in our lives. And the only commandment that Christ has given us is to love unconditionally and fully. And every other thing that we're concerned about is hung on those on that concept. And so family, my encouragement really it's a, like it is is more than it. like the the word that it comes to mind is implore. <laughs> Like this really, really like, like old school word, I implore you <laughs> to not brush away this concept of love, but to allow ourselves to be enveloped in it. And for us to day by day surrender into putting that into practice. Chase, it's not that simple. You just came off of a break. <laughs> it is, actually. It, it really is. Chase, I don't know how to do that. Neither do I. That's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. So in this moment, as we pray, the moment where I say, let's invite the Holy Spirit to do the work inside of us that we need fully love well. Father, you love us. And that is not just a feeling. That is not just some romanticized idea of how you admire us. It's not because of something that we do for you or we give you that you can't figure out on your own. You love us because you are love and you have made us to be like you. So in that, Lord, we too can be love. We can be the reflection of your love for the world. We can be your answer to all of the anxieties and frustrations and pains and real life fears that exist in the world because that's actually how you designed us to be a reflection of your unconditional love. And so, Holy Spirit, I have no idea how to do that. <laughs> we don't know how to do that. It's our nature is too stained. 
Wash us, God. Cleanse us, Holy Spirit. Mature this inside of our souls. Give us capacity, greater capacity for love. Give us greater capacity for loving unconditionally. And in the moments when I want to respond out of my own fears and my own anxieties and my own opinions, God, remind me by your spirit that it's love that actually creates order. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us, which came, lived and died and rose. Thank you for your love that created. Thank you for your love that sustains. God, we trust you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and believe others can benefit from hearing about us, please remember to share and subscribe to Unison Christian Church wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also catch us live at unisongr.com or on Facebook. See you next week.